My name is Justin Zolkowski, and you're listening to Random Babbling, Confessions of a Christian Libertarian. If you've listened to my previous episodes, I've tried to give you a background so that you can have an idea on what to expect from this series. So now that we've done a little introduction, we're going to tackle our first issue, probably the most controversial we have discussed in our lifetimes, and that is abortion. Why now? Sanctity of Life Day was on January 15th of this year, almost two weeks ago. For those who don't know, This is a Sunday that various Protestant congregations may choose to dedicate their service to discuss abortion. This is to be close to the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which was decided on January 22, 1973. On this date, the United States Supreme Court declared that a woman's right right to choose to have an abortion is constitutional during the first six months of her pregnancy. Now, issues like this need to be discussed in places like the church because Christians cannot be like ostriches with their heads in the sand, oblivious to what's going on. The church was involved in ending slavery in England and the United States, and it was involved with the civil rights movement in the 60s. This is another issue that the church cannot ignore. What is the libertarian view of abortion? The answer is not as easy as it sounds. In the Libertarian Party's platform, Section 1.5 states, recognizing that abortion is a sensitive issue and that people can hold good faith views on all sides, we believe that government should keep be kept out of the matter, leaving the question to each person for their conscious consideration. In other words, their view is that the government should stay out. Now, can a Libertarian be against abortion or be pro-life? I would have to say yes. One can be libertarian and pro-life. Libertarianism is an underlining philosophy on liberty and individualism. Therefore, it is not subjugated to a checklist. The Libertarian Party must have a platform. But just because you do not believe with every item laid out in it does not disqualify you as as being a libertarian. Although there has been pro-choice, a pro-choice tradition in the Libertarian Party and its candidates, not all politicians registered as libertarian have been for abortion. The most recent example is Austin Peterson. He was a candidate in the Libertarian Party's primary in 2016. He believes that the right to liberty begins at conception. The most popular example of a pro-life libertarian would be Congressman Ron Paul. He was a libertarian candidate for president in 1988. He also ran in the 2008 and 2012 primary Republican primaries. He wrote a short article for an organization called Libertarians for Life back in 1981. You can read it online. In it, he states, libertarians have a moral vision of a society that is just because individuals are free. This vision is the only reason for libertarianism to exist. If it offers an alternative to the forms of political thought that uphold the power of the state or of persons within a society to violate the freedom of others, if it loses that vision, 
then libertarianism becomes merely another ideology whose policies are repressive rather than liberating. So according to Congressman Paul, abortion violates liberty, that it gives power to an individual to take away the rights of another. He goes on by stating, Libertarians believe, along with the Founding Fathers, that every individual has inalienable rights, among which are the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Neither the state nor any other person can violate those rights without committing an injustice. But just as important as the power claimed by the state to decide what rights we have is the power to decide which of us has rights. So the question is, where do our rights come from? According to the Declaration of Independence, our rights are endowed by our Creator. God is the giver of our rights. So, then what role of government is in all this? The role of government is to protect these rights. Going back to the Ron Paul quotes, what he is saying is that if li the libertarian view of government is to protect individual liberty, then giving one person the authority to not give another person an opportunity to these liberties is not consistent. Another issue when we talk about abortion is the role of government in saying who is and who is not a person. Now, when we see a human being, do we not see a person? What qualifies a human, I would assume, is DNA. When conception occurs, new DNA is created. That DNA is unique and belongs to a specific individuals, except for the cases of identical multiple births. If an identity has human DNA, and that DNA is in fact unique, then how do they not qualify as a person? Any human that is denied personhood by either the state or another human being is a slave. I use such a harsh word because you have stripped an individual of their liberty and identity. No person has the right to terminate the life of another, even if there's a quality of life issue. A person has a right to live their life and should face the consequences of their decisions, not the consequences of the decisions made by others. What about funding for Planned Parenthood? The libertarian view of economics is for government to get out of the way of business, unless the law has been broken, and this includes subsidies. This is where government gives money to private enterprise. Planned Parenthood is a private company and should not receive federal money. Realistically, when you pay taxes, you have no say in where your dollar go. If you pay taxes, which are not optional, and that money goes to Planned Parenthood, your money is being contributed to an organization that provides abortion services. If you morally disagree on with abortion, why should you fund it? Even the most pro-choice libertarian can see the conflict here, and would agree that the problem there that and would agree that there is a problem. No one should be forced to fund a cause that they do not agree with. The biblical view of abortion, as always, we must look to God's word to give us ultimate guidance, including issues like abortion. Although abortion is not laid out in scriptures as it is in our everyday lives, it does have a lot to say about the unborn. 1 Timothy 6 states that God gives life to all things, 
so life is a gift from God. In Psalm 139, David writes about how God knows everything about him, including his heart. During this surreal description of God's omniscience and omnipotence, in verses 13 and 14, he states, For you, war- you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. David recognizes that God's knowledge of him predates his birth, almost as if God knew David before David was self-aware. Not only this, but the very concept of life is precious. Another example we see is in Luke 1, 41-44. When the Virgin Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth to tell her she is pregnant, we read, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So when Elizabeth heard that Mary was pregnant with Jesus, the baby John the Baptist leaped for joy in her womb. The author of this narrative is Luke, a medical doctor. And the Greek word used here for baby is brephos, which means baby or infant. Now this word is the same word used to describe a baby that had already been born. I find it very fascinating that the Holy Spirit would influence a medical doctor to use the word for a baby that had already been born to be describe the preborn John the Baptist. This shows me that God sees life even before birth. What about rape and life endangerment? When someone whenever someone takes the position of pro-life they face the question of rape, incest, and life endangerment. While most moral conservatives may scoff at this hypothetical situation due to its rarity, I do believe it should be on the table when we have this discussion, and we must be sensitive in our response. Rape is a horrible offense. It devalues the person, it's invading, and it's violent. When I take the pro-life position, even in the instance of rape, I do not do so without empathy or compassion for the victim mother. My only plea is that we limit the number of victims. The mother has already gone through trauma. I do not think that terminating the chance for the fetus to be born is a viable solution. I am am a man, so I will never have to make this decision. But you may believe that I am out, and you may believe that I'm out of line, and you have the right to believe so. But when abortion occurs due to the circumstance of rape, we go from having one victim to multiple because the baby is being punished for a crime that they had no part in. And again, I do not say this in a trite way, but I would urge anyone to let the baby live, even if it is with someone else. As for life endangerment of the mother, this again is a sensitive issue I cannot take lightly. This is where I take a turn. In Wayne Grudem's Politics According to the Bible, he discusses a myriad of political topics, and of course abortion is one of them. In this instance, he states, I cannot see a reason to say this would be morally wrong. In fact, I believe it would be morally right for doctors to save the life that can be saved and take the life of a preborn child. This is significantly different from other cases because removing the preborn child from its mother's body results directly in tending to save the mother. 
not directly intending to take the child's life. If the medical technology exists to save the child's life in such cases, then of course the child's life should be saved. But if abortion is necessary to save the mother's life, this would seem to be the only situation which abortion is morally justified. I agree with this statement 100%. And I would like to add that any individual has the right to protect their life in any circumstance. It does not matter the, what size the physical, the physical size of that threat, you have the right to defend yourself. What then should the Christian response be to abortion? In one word, it should be loving. We must remember that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is perfect, and the only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that the Christian has recognized who God truly is. And we did nothing to get to that point. It was through grace. So in the same way that God has shown grace to us, we then should show grace to er others, even if they have participated in abortion. If God's love, It is God's love that changes the wicked hearts of people. What about the legislative issue? It is my conviction that Christians should not support legislation that leaves the unborn even more defenseless than, it or, than they already are. I admit I have voted for some candidates that are pro-choice because I do not believe that being a single-issue voter is what is best. But I have voted on initiatives in a pro-life way. But if I am honest, I do not see abortion being eliminated in America. But my hope should not be in Congress or in human law, but in Christ. So I believe that we should not necessarily pray that abortion be outlawed, but that the hearts of the people may be so in tune with God that they choose life regardless of what the law is. In conclusion, I hope you understand why I am pro-life, both from a pr liberty perspective and, more importantly, from a Christian perspective. For more additional resources, I suggest libertariansforlife.org and voxproject.org. Right now, I'll be posting the sound file and script on my blog. Check it out at justin-ski.blogspot.com. I hope to hear from you, and God bless. Oh, <laughs>